Hello, and welcome to Impacting the Classroom, the podcast that talks about big topics that have an even bigger impact in early education. I'm your host, Marnetta Larimer. Today, I am beyond excited to talk about exciting news come to the world of quality assessment and improvement. In March, Keystone announced an enhancement to its tool, the Class Assessment Tool. Class Second Edition will be available starting this next school year. I'm joined by two members of the team that helped bring the vision of Class Second Edition to life, Grace Funk, Teachstone Senior Director of Strategic Initiatives, and Katie Twilley, Director of Product Management, Assessment, and CQI. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It's great to be here. You're welcome. (laughs) So before we jump into the questions, let's talk about what exactly class is, because even if you're a follower, you may be a new listener and may not know what we do. So class stands for the Classroom Assessment Scoring System, and it's a way to look at the quality interactions between teachers and children. Researchers looked at the kinds of interactions that created the most impact on child outcomes and categorized them into domains. These interactions teachers have with children impact learning, development, even lifetime achievement. These meaningful interactions are things that teachers do intuitively every day with children. High fives when they enter, smiling, welcoming them when they come in, open-ended questions, um, giving them hugs, different ways to engage with lessons throughout the day. So not anything new, just different language that we're tying to it. Class is the observation tool developed to assess these interactions from infant care through 12th grade. So let's talk about why we're here. What's different about class second edition? Who would like to start? I can start off with that one, if you don't mind. Go for it. Um, Well, what's exciting about second edition is that it draws from everything good that the class has always been. And I think as you just started with and introduced so beautifully, Marnetta, around what the class has been doing and what it's existed to do is really be able to reflect what matters most in classrooms and learning environments, which is the interactions between people, between humans. That's how we learn. That's how we grow. And the class does that. And it will still do that in second edition where we've made enhancements for second edition really are um, in the ways that we in the field have learned a whole lot in the last 15 to 20 years around what reflecting the excellence of those interactions can, can be look like and how it can be used. So one core component Um, and driver behind second edition was really to increase the um, equity with in terms of use of the class, use of observations, how it more equitably and accurately represents and reflects uh, the diversity of our field and of the communities that we serve, Um, and also to increase access, which is another component of equity, to to the magic of the tool, not just as an observational assessment system, but also as um, something that helps educators hone in on the magic that they're making every day in those moment-to-moment interactions in their classrooms and make that even more accessible to them, make more sense to them, um, and and hopefully as a result make a broader impact on more children and educators' lives. That's a beautiful response. Um, I love what you said about the equity piece and the access, um, the accessibility, right? Um Yes, these are things, these are interactions, behaviors that we see all the time in the classroom, but, you know, sometimes those get lost in the language or what that looks like across different spaces. Before I 
go on. Katie, oh, yeah. what did you want uh, to add to I'll this question? I'll echo everything that Grace said, but another key component is like we know that you know, class was born out of the University of Virginia, which is an incredibly academic institution. So one of the key lenses that we've also taken with this revision is just making this language much more friendly and approachable to all of our users. Like we know that some of those words were uh, hard and difficult for <laughs> to understand. And even I have to go, go to a dictionary. So we worked very hard to just make language um, so much more approachable for our um everyday user of the class tool. Um, we've also worked to incorporate like some additional items that we're calling activity settings. So really honing in on like, where you like, you know, talking about math or literacy and like, what are those topic areas? So when you really think about the uh, improvement side of what the class is meant to do, you understand the, uh, not just what your class scores are, but like have some contextual understanding to what was actually going on in the classroom at the time. Most definitely. What's driving those scores? We can focus on that. How? The thing we have the ability to change, right? The depth, duration, frequency, and what those exactly. actual behaviors are in the classroom. Wonderful. So lots of great things <laughs> um, to talk about. Lots of things that you guys you know, mentioned what would be one of your favorite enhancements, right? Um, I know there are going to be some things that people are going to lean into more heavily with more excitement. What what was your favorite thing so far? Oh, that's a great question. So many favorite things. <laughs> I mean, I, I will say it's been just an honor to, it's been so exciting to to be able to, uh, we think of this moment as an evolution. And so it's, we're, we're kind of starting this process of evolving the class full system, not just the measurement tool in the middle of it, but everything around it. Um, and so being able to hone in right now and focus on the things that we think will make the biggest impact as a part of kind of this launching off point in the evolution has been really thrilling. So uh, one thing for me, I will say, I mean, there are a lot of them, but um, there's a lot of focus on really meeting children and educators where they are, both through the language within the tool itself, and then in terms of kind of everything that surrounds it and supports it in the broader uh, system. And, and so, for example, there's a lot more explicit language woven into the tool itself, into the training and everywhere around um, children demonstrating responses to interactions as able. So, for example, we have been much more explicit about um, supporting the use of a child's preferred or home language as well as yeah. recognizing linguistic and very and developmental variation in terms of communication and recognizing nonverbal communication practices much more explicitly than the class did historically so that it's less about um, measuring the success of an interaction because a child could successfully speak these words for example but actually getting more to the yeah. heart of what the tool has already and always intended to do which is look at the experience in that space that's supporting communication learning and practices for that child regardless of where that child's ability right then is or how that shows up in the classroom um, and so I, I feel that what we're doing and what we've been able to do is keep the core intent that the authors um, of the tool always had, but really represent differently um, and much more inclusively the ways in which children might demonstrate, you know, their successful experience of that interaction, knowing the variability across kids across contexts. And so I, I'm just excited explicitly around 
real push for looking at the nonverbals in classrooms as, as important as the verbals in classrooms, looking at a variety of ways of communicating with our bodies and with multiple languages and having a lot of, of flexibility and intentional support around language development beyond uh, what that looks like by just speaking back English words, for example. So I think that that alone um, and sort of the recognition of who people are in, in how this, this tool has been enhanced, um, I'm really excited and proud about that. I love that. Meeting the educator and the child where they are. I love that statement because um, that's been a real need, right? Um, across several communities, you know, and feeling seen in how unique their interactions are and how do we capture that with this tool, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> that we're being observed. And reflecting the excellence, reflecting that what is happening in those spaces is phenomenal yeah. and all of the ways that this can look and sound and feel different and be phenomenal. Yeah. Um, and I, I feel that this system is able to do that much, much more effectively now. And I also think, you know, that the, the professional development that you all, that the field has been doing, that Teachdown has been doing so many for a long time has evolved past some of this. I feel like it already has been leaning into recognizing variation in children's, um, demonstration of communication skills, for example, but the tool itself was still stuck uh, with some kind of overly academic language and language that, again, didn't necessarily reflect where we have already as a field evolved. Yeah, I agree. um, As a a trainer, you know, sometimes that academic language gets in the way (laughs) of being able to see, right, and really embrace um, the tool. So I love that. I think that would be one of my favorite changes. (laughs) Oh, and then, sorry, I just got too excited. The other thing, so just very tangibly around that, there's a glossary in the field, guys. One of the one of the aspects of class second edition, as probably many folks have heard, is that we're separating what was just the class manual into a manual set that has a reference manual with sort of all of the, the background information, all the research, um, how to incorporate this into a broader you know system for quality improvement, things like that. And then there's the field guide that you carry with you into the classroom. And that's what you need if you're going to do an observation. And it's been really designed thoughtfully to work for observers. And in there is a glossary of terms so that even though there was intentionality in making the words more accessible anyway, there's also just really clear definition of, hey, this is what we mean when we say this. So there's less guesswork for everyone and just much more of a shared lens, which is another huge goal of the class. I think I, I loved your excitement because I think that's everybody across the company, right? We're like, oh my gosh, and there's more, right? <laughs> there's more. And the glossary. And there's the, yes, <laughs> exactly. I love it. And I, but I feel it in the field too, right? As you're talking to people and looking at the CLC and seeing the questions and just, there's this just energy and everybody's just ready for it. So Katie. I know, I feel like Grace right. stole so many. <laughs> So many of the wonderful sorry, things. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, I mean, I, as a non-academic and linguist, I think one of my favorite things is just making that language much more approachable for our users. But in order to branch out and not go down the same exact path as Grace, is we've also been um, really focused on enhancements to our observation training and focused on um, like enhancements to our um, score sheets. So. I'm like super excited just about how intentional we've been um, with our score sheet and how we've been much more intentional about following the NICE process and like 
being aware of all that note-taking space. So that's, um, I know I can't like show it right now, but that's just like a really cool enhancement that we've done to help make the observers' lives a little bit easier while they are in the class or while they're in the classroom observing, um, as well as there's so many fun enhancements in our observation training. Um, we have all new videos really um, honing in on like showing that the diversity of different classrooms out in the field, um, a lot of special care to making sure that um, our teacher-child ratios are uh, appropriate for the field and like what, you know, it's, well, we know it's easy one-on-one to have strong interactions, but that's not what um, teachers are dealing with every day. So really making sure we're focusing on all the unique um, types um, and uh, Megan just asked about FCC videos, which I don't actually know off the top of my head. Maybe Grace, you do? Yes, I do. Yeah, so so our examples include um, just a much yeah, wider variety of, of settings where, where kiddos uh, learn. Um, and so that includes uh, mixed age settings, including family, uh, home and uh, child care settings, um, yep. outdoor settings you know there are a lot of ways that that kids learn um that can can look a whole lot different and and quite frankly our videos we know have been pretty stagnant for the last Mm -hmm. i don't know many too many years um and often sort of came out of where we had gotten them which was probably some virginia pre-k classrooms (laughs) from a long time ago and some of them had expanded over the years but bottom line there is a real intentionality to be representative in our exemplars and our training videos and our certification videos across the board of all of the kinds of environments where kids learn um, every day. And and that is not only to better represent the excellence that is out there, but also to help prepare observers to understand how to understand interactions across settings. Um, There's a real push, and I'm totally stealing from you for a second, Katie, sorry. Um, In all of that, though, to be cognizant and really put in the... um, recognition of bias that we as humans all have and really be thoughtful about that role of bias for a class observer for an observer on anything again this is not unique to class this is us as humans and so part of the intentionality around more broad and inclusive definitions as well as more representative examples video examples is to continue to educate the field of observers around all the various ways of being uh, that are out there and be really intentional about the role that bias plays and how we mitigate that as observers. And so it's critical to be able to demonstrate quality across the board um, as a part of that goal of helping observers be aware of and, and reduce their their bias as observers in the classroom. You said a lot there. And I'm sorry, Katie, we're going to come back to you for real. <laughs> I jumped in. Because <laughs> so, I just heard a lot. So first of all, you know, representation matters, right? Being able to see yourself in mm-hmm. um, the things that you're observing, that you're learning about just makes it more applicable, right? Like you're able to visualize and do that. And I love that because another barrier is okay yes that's an amazing exemplar there is like one teacher yeah. one kid i can do right like, so give me look i'm working with five at a yeah. time talk to me right so i love that we're going to be showing them how to be effective in these spaces right that they occupy um outdoor settings like all of that i i love um, mixed age groups because those are the spaces right the settings that observers will be going into and they always have questions about how do we we learned how to do it this way but this yes. is what i'm dealing with how do you 
you know, exactly. help me with that. Um, Katie. I'll let you <laughs> tell us. You were telling us about your favorite thing. <laughs> uh, well, I feel like Grace has just uh, said so many of my favorite things. Grace, so oh, Grace will be quiet, Katie. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, 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 no. You're fine. But no, like I feel like I just need new ones. Uh, <laughs> let's see what. Uh, well, you. Oh, so the score sheet is just a big one. Yeah, so like- much. Like it's just more robust and stronger. But even to just go um, into like a little bit more of like observation training land, um, expanding on that, it's like all these observer observer supports that we are launching to the field. So right now we're really focused on a observer bias course specifically. So you can go online into um, our platform and take this um, observer bias course. And we're um, also launching DLL and we're working on um, expanding this suite of options because we know that um, family home childcare is very um uh, wanted in the field. We know that, you know, special education classrooms, how to like help me like understand. So we know that class observation training, you know, you can only fit so much into that time period, but like, just like being the intentionality behind providing those learning opportunities, not just for teachers in class, but also for those observers to um, be able to have those opportunities to Um, dive into understanding how they can use class in these settings without feeling like they're guessing or just using, you know, the manual that is so focused on the tool. So uh, that's one of the things that really excites me, those supports. It helps to ensure that fidelity, right, that we tell them, right, they stop thinking, oh, well, I feel like I'm thinking about this. They don't have, right? (laughs) So now they have this guidance that makes it just like you said, just stronger um, and more valid um, in their use of it. Um, You guys mentioned um, bias. I heard it a couple of times. Um, And I I would have to say that that's one of my favorite things. I think us being intentional about supporting observers in their natural biases, like you said, Grace, Mm -hmm. because we all have it, right? I tell people all the time, you have a bias. You have a favorite (laughs) football team. And if I tell you, we're going to go like that. Like everybody has a bias of some sort. It doesn't have to be as you know um, scary, right? As like race, you know, and things like. But we have biases across all kinds of things. But in supporting the observer with those biases, we do create um, more opportunity for more equitable practices in those observations, and them being able to identify that and understand how different behaviors outside of their community translate into effective interactions in the space that they're observing. And so I, I, I love, I think that's my favorite part is just giving visibility to those differences and owning it, putting it on the table and like, now let's look yeah. at what we're looking for right now that we've addressed Absolutely. it and we've owned it. So um, I think that's my favorite part. <laughs> Nobody yeah. asked me, but that's, I'm adding that. <laughs> we should have, that was rude of us. That was really a good addition. And you're, and you're absolutely right. <laughs> it is so, uh, you know, I think about, it and it's, and it's true that we can, it's easy to talk about the ones I can say this cause I did it all the time. When I did a lot of class observations, which I've done a lot of in my day, um, there were often things around the environment that I would recognize. So if there were, if there was a calendar on the wall in a certain way, you know, if there's a certain thing that I'd say, well, that's, you know, some, some part of me in my brain at that point in my life was like, well, this is not appropriate developmentally for this age kid. I had a belief about a thing, which may or may not have been true, but, um, regardless of the context, I know that I would walk into a classroom 
it had nothing to do with the interaction, see a calendar on the wall that I would find developmentally inappropriate. And there's no question that was influencing something in my brain in terms of what I, whether or not I thought about it, you know, actively or in the front of my mind um, about the developmental appropriateness of this, of this learning space. And so I think that's a pretty tame example of things that happen all the time to your point with sports teams, but we know this happens in ways that can be much, much more um, obviously dangerous and problematic. And that if we're not really intentional um, and have ownership over the fact that we are human and, and, and especially in places that are not uh, aligned to something that, that we've seen every day in our own backgrounds, there's even more room for those biases to take hold uh, in a way that is completely outside of our awareness. And and so I'm so glad you elevated that, Marnetta, because we've all seen it as observers <laughs> all the time and know um, the micro and macro ways that that has a real yeah. impact on the folks that are being observed. Yes, thank you so much. Um, who that was one question that turned into this whole, <laughs> this whole other thing, but it was a fruitful um, discussion. So here's my next question. Um, we talked a lot about class already, um, in second edition, how did it come to be, right? What was the, the catalyst? What was the thing that happened that made us as a company say, hey, let's do this? I think what's nice about this is that there there wasn't a single one. And I, and I think that that is um, such a nice, because it's also true, <laughs> answer. And I think it's really important to demonstrate that what second edition is, is... Um, an accumulation of what the field has been pushing for, asking for, and supporting since the class came into existence, you know, 15-ish years ago. Um, I mean, it's funny, Bridget, our CEO, and one of the authors of the tool likes to say that, you know, she was, as the first manual, right after it went off to print, when her son, who's now 15, was an infant, she was home on maternity leave, um, she immediately knew a lot of things she wanted to change. And the, that list that that came from just the authors. Imagine since this has been used in so many communities and in really impactful ways, but sometimes quite high stakes ways, a lot has come back yeah. rightly to say, huh, here's what could make this really a more responsible tool to use, a more impactful tool to use, a tool that just makes more sense, that's easier in you know, all of the things. And so I would say that, um, but... All of that said, these last couple of years in everyone's lives where it is clear that that living the way that we've been living, uh, doing things business as usual the way that we've been doing them, is not okay. And so I think there was a, a real, um, for a very long time, recognition, acknowledgement, and belief that there needed to be changes, but kind of how to get there and the level of potential disruption was scary. Um, it is still scary. Uh, any sort of shift, but that it became very clear over these last two years, both through COVID and obviously um, after the murder of George Floyd, uh, the, the recognition that talking about and receiving all this feedback without starting that evolutionary process of, of holding our responsibility in the system had to start immediately. And that is really what probably that launch of, okay, this is this is happening now, <laughs> this evolution is beginning now, um, absolutely was aligned as so many things hopefully have been with a real turning point, hopefully um, societally around how we all need to to step up and do better. Beautiful, beautifully said. Katie, do you want to add anything to? Uh, I think 
everything that Grace said is uh, on point. I will say, like, um, over the past, you know, probably like two years now, year and a half, um, there's been a lot of intentionality and like research going into like, what should these changes be? What are they going to look like? And like, what is the best way to bring them to life? And a lot of intentionality of balancing why we know that this is already a huge change for the field. Like, I won't, we had some grand ideas of like, how can we change it even more? And there was a lot of intentionality that's gone into balancing like the change that the field has been waiting and asking for and prioritizing those changes while knowing we could not disrupt the field um, so significantly, you know, by like rearranging some of the tool. Um, so we um, have spent a long time doing like our due diligence and research um, and, you know, now's the time to actually bring it to the market and the field, knowing that, like, we have uh, this trust that we will not, this is not the end point. We know that there is more evolution to um, keep going, but not wanting to, you know, balance the, you know, we have to get something out now, but in the future, we would also love to continuously evolve this tool so that's best meeting the needs of the users and our market um, and as we get feedback along the way, just as we want, you know, teachers to have that continuously quality improvement, TeachStone is also looking for that in the tools and the products and the services that we are delivering to the market. Thank you so much. I have one more question. I have, that's a lie. We all know <laughs> it may not be the last question. Depends on what the response is. <laughs> so... We talked about this some over our time together. How do you see the enhancements making an impact on children and educators? And this is a time that we can kind of summarize some of the things that we already said and maybe add some things that we may have forgotten in our course of our conversation. I can start. Um, How do I see it making a difference? Um, I see it like, so one of the huge shifts that like we've been going through is like, we're not just the class company, but the interactions company. So how that comes through in our messaging, how that comes through in the language that we use and the tools and services. So that includes, you know, so many teachers are like, just how do I improve my class score? Because they know that that is their accountability system. And we are working really hard to, uh, send through the message. It is what you do every day. It is, you know, like every single day you are having those interactions with children. You are building those relationships and wanting to make the class tool feel much more approachable in those ways. So I would say like that is just such a huge impact and we are just really starting to make that shift in tide and have plans, you know, for years to come to continuously shift through that. But that is just going to be huge for teachers and children being able to understand that like that's what we're looking for. Don't do anything special, but those interactions. And then again, coming back to like that language of like, you know, as a teacher, if I don't understand what the term means, how am I supposed to understand what it means to actually implement in my classroom? So while that might seem quite, quite subtle, um, if you're like, but the term means the same exact thing, like it feels so much less scary. So the teachers can focus on what is really mattering most and those children can absolutely benefit. Um, And then Finally, I mean, I know like we've hit on like the differences in classrooms, but like 
the culture thing is huge and like allowing that representation so teachers don't feel like they need to like alter their practices where they're doing um you know they can inadvertently have harm to children and they can keep up those practices that they know that are just best for their children and continue to work on that in their uh, setting as appropriate and not feel like they need to adjust their just their interactions the day of class observation because they right. will do incredibly well, which we know happens. Like teachers, like it's a scary day. I'm being assessed. Like I'm going to alter. And we, we do not want that. We know teachers are doing great things every day and we want to see those great things. Yeah. Thank you. I agree yeah. all of that. I mean, I think, yeah, so much of just a, so much of, of kind of how to use some of these tools. There's been real intentionality with second edition um, around ensuring that all of all of these enhancements lead to more actionable data for kind of at every level. So for individuals, you know, for an educator to think, okay, this this really reflects me, and I understand maybe a little bit differently what this means or doesn't. Also understand this is not a rating of me as a person. I think that's really important. Right. I think that's part of what we need to really disentangle and are working to a second edition. Um, it, so in ways that make the tool and the experience feel more approachable. So that makes it safer, which hopefully allows folks to lean in and then feel more open to thinking. So, so I guess to go into one, one part of this. So we are formalizing what is called indicator range well, we don't want to call it scoring, but basically identifying the range for an indicator. So if those of you who've been doing this for a long time know that under each class dimension, which ultimately will get a score from one to seven, are a set of indicators. Those indicators, a lot of people had moved over time into assigning a low, mid, or high range, uh, not a number score, but a range score to those indicators to help them ultimately arrive at their ultimate dimension score. Um, we're formalizing that process in second edition to really make it a part of, and this is what Katie was mentioning with even the score sheets, to make it a much more clear and organized process for observers. What that also does is gives us much more actionable data than down at that indicator level to be able to say to an educator, hey, maybe throughout this observation, the overall score for language modeling was a five. That doesn't mean a whole lot to many people right now. It hasn't, and it won't. <laughs> what does start to mean something is what went into that? What are the nuances underneath that? And maybe how did that differ even at different points in the day or spots in the classroom? And so this yes. gets into mm -hmm. um, the activity setting items that are that mm -hmm. are an additional, a lot of folks have been capturing this anyway, but we're making more intentional the capture of this, as well as this optional class environment which is a new measurement tool that can sit alongside yeah, it. So that ultimately what we're allowing folks to have, and this is where we get at CQI um, and measuring for impact, you know, measurement only matters insofar as it makes a difference. There's no point in measuring anything if we're not going to use it to then look at that thing and try to grow it and make it better for the people yeah. that, that are in that system. And that's the kids and the teachers. And so I think a lot of this intentionality with second edition of activity setting items environment, then all of a sudden you could say, hey, after this observation, sure, there was a five for language modeling. Let's break that down. We saw that when you were in whole group um, and doing literacy, this were, these were the sort of indicators lighting up within language modeling. These are the kinds of things where this was actually much more easy for this group of people to interact in this way. 
So that's interesting. You can lean in more there. So you can imagine the coaching kind of PD next right. steps here. Um, or, oh, wait a minute. And when you're in one-on-one, this language modeling was off the charts because these feedback loops, this rich back and forth you're able to have was conducive to that. The minute you got to whole group, that all ended. So, hmm, I wonder what is it about this one-on-one that we can do more of and get more of so that kids are having more of those experiences in your classroom. So it's not saying you, teacher, need to go from a five to a seven. That doesn't mean anything. But hey, how do we support you and your classroom environment to make sure that the displays and the materials in your centers are supporting these rich conversations that will lead to the kind of dialogue that's going to also enhance your language modeling score. But all that is, is a reflection of the awesomeness that you're already doing. And how do we pull all this, this data together to help you see that story in a way that feels a lot less punitive and a lot more supportive growth. And that absolutely the entire driver for that is for teachers and kids to, um, to understand this in a way that supports them and helps them grow as opposed to feel like it is grading them um, without giving a whole lot of, of room for what to do about that. Um, so we can talk a little bit more about class environment if you want, which is this optional sidebar. And I, th- I saw you nodding your head at that. Um, but basically the class is the class. So that is still the same system in the middle where we really think about and know, and this has been backed up by a whole lot of research, that interactions, those spaces in between humans, that is what drive. that's the single biggest driver of learning and growth for people is those spaces in between each other, you know, those spaces, those interactions that we have. Mm-hmm. We know that that's why the class focuses on it. But we know there are a lot of things that can impact that interaction that can enhance or detract from it that might be outside of that. And so that's where Katie was talking about the how does it go when you're teaching literacy or talking or in block center and doing um, some math skills with your block how, blocks. How does that, you know, how about to my, to my bias around calendars, how is that showing up when you do calendar time? <laughs> what is it actually showing up in that way? Cause you can use calendars in a way that is rich and wonderful and full of magical interactions or not the calendar being there in and of itself isn't, isn't the driver, but that could yeah. enhance or detract depending on various things. And so class environment is a sidebar tool <laughs> that folks have the option. Um, and Katie knows a lot more about this. So I'll say it briefly and then hand it to you, but basically to use alongside of the class that is looking at the extent to which the aspects of the environment the classroom environment are um, potentially contributing to adding to or detracting from the ability for these meaningful interactions to take place in that space. So it's it's not to be used ever as a standalone. It is only to be used alongside of the class tool because it is is only matters insofar as um, interactions are concerned. But for a lot of programs will really help to, to ease burden of using multiple tools across multiple days. Um, yep. And that's the goal at the high level. I don't know if you have much to add, Katie. Uh-huh. I, I know we're trying to like wrap up here real soon, but I'll just add that, yes, everything that Grace just said is so accurate and that the class environment is just a supplemental tool so that like, you know, if your classroom is set up in uh, a, you, like a wonderful way, it makes your interaction so much easier. So it kind of, it helps you like set that foundational baseline in order to, so you can actually focus on your interaction. So like one of the ones that I always just pick out as an example is sight lines. You know, if I'm a teacher and I don't have sight lines, it is so hard for me to be responsive and proactive to my children's needs because I can't see them. So 
if we think about setting up that classroom in a way that I have sight lines as a teacher, it just like links so nicely to class and that, um, you know, teacher sensitivity and respect for children because I can see them, I understand what they are doing, and I'm not guessing or reacting when I hear a scream or a cry in the classroom. So that's like really the foundation for our class environment is that you're looking at the environment and how it's like setting up to um, support those like interactions and hopefully make your life easier. Um, so you're not having something that's detracting and all of a sudden you're like, why is this interaction not going quite right? Well, it could just be something as simple as and your environment isn't set up to be quite conducive enough. Wonderful. Thank you guys both for joining me today. <laughs> um, I hope that our time has to end. I feel like we could keep on going <laughs> about oh, yes. last second. <laughs> I, I sure could. As, as I'm sure I've made clear, yeah. I sure could. I, <laughs> I appreciate all of the words that you gave us. <laughs> you can find today's episode and transcript on our website, teachstone.com slash impacting. And as always, behind great leading and teaching are powerful interactions. Let's build that culture together. <laughs>